Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 289 with the head rocket scientist at NASA, John Dankinich. In the annals of this podcast, John is a truly unique guest with incredible influence in the world. As the chief technologist at NASA Marshall Space Flight Center, John's primary role is to foster relationships and guide investments for technology development for NASA's future goals, including efforts to sustain life on the moon and landing humans on Mars. In these short snippets, John shares his optimism for upcoming moon and Mars landings, and he explains how space exploration yields technologies and tools that positively impact numerous areas of everyday life on Earth. But first, John shares some experiences from his time with Cutco Vector and details specifically how the lessons he learned selling Cutco applied directly to what he does today, as well as to most other careers. John Dankinich is a champion of innovation and a culture of constant improvement. There are literally thousands upon thousands of Cutco leaders and alumni like John who are changing lives all over the world through their impact and influence. What we do in this company goes far beyond selling knives, and that's the point of this podcast. You can help spread the word about this great place to work and learn by sharing this and other episodes with people in your network. CLSK is available for free on just about all podcast players or by visiting changinglivespodcast.com. After listening to these short snippets from John Dankinich, I know you'll want to revisit our full conversation. You'll find it at episode number 289. What were some of your experiences that uh, really stand out from your time with the company? Yeah. So, you know, in hindsight, there's, there's probably several times I wish I could go back and kick myself a little for sure. Uh, things I could have done better. But I have to say, I really enjoyed the sales part of the job. You know, I think like most people, I, I started off dreading the phone call to set the appointment. Uh, but once I had an appointment, I knew that sale or no sale, both the customer and I were going to have a good time. Over 95% of my appointments were with friendly people that wanted to see me succeed. And I walked away almost with a new friend, uh, you know, each appointment that I had. My second year, I was an assistant branch manager, and so I have lots of memories from that experience. So I moved to St. Louis and, and helped open up an, a new office in Bellevue, Illinois. It was my, my first job where my success was really dependent on the success of those I served. You know, and it's a very different role, different mentality. You know, you're more of a mentor. The experience that stands out the most for, for the people that I got to know that second summer. You know, if you really want exposure to diversity, offer a high paying job with no skills required and see who comes through the door. My experience taught me also that you really can't predict who will do well in a position that is almost entirely dependent on effort 
versus any other criteria. The first leads might be great if you're from an affluent family, but that they really didn't matter after the first week. You know, some people who you thought were going to follow the process and have great results would quit the first week. I think some people quit before they even told their parents that they accepted the job and received their kit, while others were really quiet. And you might have concerns with their communication skills, but they simply learned to follow the script and, and the script worked. And, uh, you know, I wish there was a way to sort of take that mentality, you know, the fear that's irrational, that to just have faith in the process and then you'll get results and your results you know, just require you to, to step through that process and make the effort. And I really wish I could instill that into people. And, you know, we see that frequently, right? The ability to instill into others as buy into a proven process is what makes great coaches and great leaders. And uh, that's also what makes them great managers uh, at Cutco. Yeah, for sure. What are the key lessons you feel like you've carried with you into what you're doing now? Yeah, well, every job is basically a sales position. I have customers just the same. If I have a customer that, that I believe should make an investment in a new technology because it will help them, you know, I need to understand how to show them the value that's there. You know, that's certainly a lesson for Cutco is that value is what matters. Uh, price is secondary. Obviously, it's still relevant, but it's all about the value and the performance you can get. Another related lesson is certainly that you have to really show the um, how the long-term potential of decisions to spend money. You, know, you can buy cheaper knives than Cutco, uh, but you need to replace them or you'll have a poor product, a more dangerous product. And sometimes that costs you more in the long run. And so it's the same. You know, So if now I, I want to sell a digital transformation investment, let's say for earth science or storm tracking, data processing, we could be spending $300,000 per year to do it, you know, and do it slow and efficiently with greater errors. Or we can make an investment in a million dollars for a machine learning software development and bring that cost down to $50,000 per year. We get better accuracy and it pays for itself. Yet customers may not want to spend more upfront. You know, you need to create that understanding of how this is really better for the long run. Another thing I'll say is, I, you know, I'm amazed with, with how many people, even professional engineers at NASA, are afraid to pick up the phone, you know, and just, just call somebody sometimes with a question uh, to find out what someone needs to ask for help or, or to collaborate on a project. It's some irrational fear. And I see it actually getting worse now with, with the texting and everybody else that people don't like to talk to one another as much. Selling Cutco, you know, we were taught to think of the phone like an ATM machine, right? You punch in the numbers and money just comes out. So many times in my career, I've experienced the same thing. You know, it sounds silly, but you know, I would call a customer, you know, that others were afraid to call, and they would tell me exactly what they need or validate requirements or expectations. And then because of that, I was able to give them exactly what they needed, you know, where others uh, simply couldn't because they were afraid to ask, you know, and they were guessing sometimes. Even one time, um, I was running a NASA Shark Tank event in order to get people excited about submitting new technologies and new ideas. And so I, you know, I contacted Mark Cuban and I asked him if he would be a judge and my leadership was like, you did what? <laughs> you know? And, and uh, but Mark said, yes, you know, and, and from the event, NASA received several new ideas that result in patents and, and technologies licensed to industry and solving challenges on earth, right? All because, you know, I didn't hesitate to pick up the phone, right? And so that's something that is a lesson that, you know, is hard to learn and Cutco sort of forces you to get over that fear. Fundamentally, I'd say that, you know, you know even at NASA, 95% of all of our challenges that we have are, are communication. It's not really with technology. And so you know, it's true that I'm blessed to work with brilliant engineers and scientists, even procurement officials, lawyers, and the housekeeping team. You know, it's all the same. If you actually listen to what your customer wants and needs, 
and then it can go back and, and communicate and validate clear expectations, uh, then you can be successful. And that applies really to, to every career. And again, you know, that's sort of ingrained in you when, you, when you're selling Cutco and working for uh, Vector Marketing. Wow. That was amazing, John. I mean, just a great testament to the value of what uh, we do here at Cutco in terms of helping young people prepare for greater success in life. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. So now you're the head rocket scientist for all of NASA. What, uh, what does this mean you're responsible for? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you make my job sound uh, maybe a little cooler than it probably is. In terms of my responsibilities, you know, as the, as the chief technologist at Marshall, you know, I serve about 5,000 people, which includes uh, both civil servants and the contractor team. Uh, as the capability lead, it's a portfolio that serves about 2,000 people across most of the NASA centers, and it's about a $2 billion portfolio in investments. I provide that strategic guidance on the investments, and I also coordinate with the other agencies like the Air Force and the Space Force, industry and academia, to make sure that our work is, uh, is aligned and we're all um, you know, sort of uh, swimming in the same direction to achieve our common goals. Our near-term goals have been focusing on in-space transportation for, for Mars. You know, that's, that's really our, our long tent pole. Of course, uh, you know, the moon is coming up first, uh, so we'll be getting there. Is there plans to go back to the moon in the next couple of years, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I'd say that you know, since the dates are much closer, the plans for returning to the moon are, are much higher fidelity. The goal is to, to lay the infrastructure for sustainable presence, and, uh, and that includes at least uh, 10 moon landings in the near future. You know, um, I'll say a, a large focus of these lunar activities, though, is testing the technologies that are going to be used for missions to Mars. The current NASA plan does have the crew on the surface of Mars in the late 2030s. And SpaceX, you know, they have their own plans uh, to send people to Mars even sooner. What do you feel would be the most realistic, the most optimistic timeline for all this? Is this something we might see in our lifetimes? You know, as far as I can remember, you know, humans on Mars have always been 20 years away. For the first time, I will say, I honestly believe that, that we will have humans on Mars in less than 20 years. And to do so, we're going to have unprecedented low-cost access to space. And that's what gets me excited. Because simply that access opportunity is what enables acceleration with our innovation. You know, we're starting to see that now with all the new startups, the space startups, and it's only getting better. The more people that fly to space and do more things with their space flights, it attracts even more people to do more activities in low Earth orbit and so on. And it reflects the, the growing market that, that NASA hoped to accomplish when we started doing the commercial crew program. Now, you know, don't be fooled, right? The space startups aren't doing it because it's cool or the hobby of the wealthy, right? It, they're doing it because they believe it's going to be a benefit to humanity and specifically one that people are willing to pay for to receive that benefit, you know, whether that's cheaper internet, cell phone communications, uh, space-based solar power, new materials, new medications that can only be produced in microgravity better extreme uh, weather tracking, preparedness, agriculture, land management, right, and so on. I hope that every person appreciates just how pervasive space has been to every person's life. Some of those are our military space investments, such as GPS that we use every day when we're you know, mapping our directions to go somewhere, tracking where our phone might be. Many are NASA, such as the cameras in our phones and in our pockets. Um, you know, those were developed as a lightweight camera for planetary science. Certainly, Earth science is a major influence in our, in our lives um, with the platform we get from space. You know, it influences our future energy sources when we need to seek shelter from hurricanes, uh, you know, that we forecast, uh, predicting crop yields, disaster relief, you know, even improvements to municipal water supplies. And so it really is everywhere. You know, I really believe when, when you send humans specifically out into space, 
they need technologies to efficiently support both the frailty of people and develop the tools for them to maintain high productivity. And you know, so necessity becomes the mother of invention. This can include telerobotics for remote medical procedures, long-term storage of medication, water recovery, recycling, even mental health monitoring and intervention due to isolation is something that you know would have and, and will be a benefit to so many people that went into isolation during COVID, for example. You know, the, the list is really endless. The more space becomes accessible, the larger the benefits will be for all humanity. And so it's an exciting time for in-space transportation and an exciting time for space exploration overall. Wow. I mean, that was really enlightening just to hear some of the things that you shared that could be some of the evolutions that uh, can occur because of space travel. And uh, it really has given me a whole new perspective on what you do and on, uh, you know, the, the whole role of NASA and, and what we're trying to develop and create. So it's pretty cool. Honestly, I'm just, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have career I've gotten, you know, from pursuing you know, a STEM career. I'm excited that you know, every semester, again, I get hundreds of new students that are, that are excited to sort of continue some of the work that I've been doing. I'm excited to see the products that are coming that are going to you know, influence and benefit you know, the, the lives of everybody. I'm truly blessed to work for NASA. I appreciate you having me here on the, on the podcast to share some of the work that we do because you know, it gets me excited. You know, I'm probably like you. Uh, I'm blessed to you know, wake up excited to go to work every day. And not a lot of people can do that. And so, um, you know, I just love to, to share exactly what we're doing because believing in the mission is what makes you want to keep doing that mission for long term. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 